Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Right, let's look at hair loss. Um, Dr. Kashmal Kalan, Medical Director at LV Armani South Africa. Welcome to the show. Wonderful to have you with us. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me on your show this morning. Afternoon, actually. Yeah, it is. It is this afternoon. As I said, everything's going very fast, Doc. Very so, so let's look at hair loss in general. Before we look specifically at um, hair loss because of cancer treatments, what causes hair loss? Hi, Nikki. So that's a fantastic question. And and you know the thing is, patients that undergo cancer treatment obviously are well known to experience hair loss and. And chemotherapy in particular is one of the very common reasons patients tend to lose their hair. But what we forget is that hair loss in general is quite a common problem that both males and females experience. To use some statistics, they often say up to two-thirds of males by the age of at least 50 will experience some level of hair loss. And in females, that number increases even further, especially once we get into the ages of menopause, etc. So we got our natural causes of hair loss, and by natural, I mean age-related as we get older and older, just like our hair, skin, nails. Everything tends to take a little bit more of a backseat in terms of its growth, and therefore you would start noticing a bit of thinning in certain areas of your hair. And then we've got the most common type of hair loss that we often see at our practice, which is your male and female pattern hair loss. The fancy medical term behind that is called androgenetic alopecia. But all that means is that we've got genetics from the family as well as hormones within the body that are combining and working together to get rid of the hair on your scalp. And majority of the patients that we see would be diagnosed with having female or male pattern hair loss. And then you obviously get the very small specific group of patients that have other causes of hair loss that may be related to medication use. It may be related to diet and lifestyle. It may be related to drug or alcohol abuse. So it's very important to sit down with a patient and get a very concise history so that we can work together to actually find out what's the root cause of the hair loss process. Hmm. Um, Dr. Kalan, you mentioned, um, uh, you know, male and females, and then you said something name, and then you said the alopecia. Is that the normal alopecia, and when I say normal, that we're aware of, and when you look at it, it could happen at, you know, any age, and you're looking at um, hair loss across the entire body? Uh, so hair loss, when we're dealing with hair loss across the entire body, that often leads us to another cause of the hair loss, which is often uh-huh. multifactorial. So when you start getting follicles throughout your body, your chest, your arms, your armpits, your head, your eyebrows, your eyelashes, if all of the hair in the body is starting to get lost, we have to take a very stern investigatory process so that we can understand what is the actual cause of that. In a lot of patients, that could be an autoimmune condition where the body is now starting to create antibodies against the hair follicles on your, on, on throughout the body, or it could be due to medication use. Certain medications that patients are put on for, for conditions can have a, a semblance of them causing issues with hair throughout the body. But what we commonly see is hair loss that is related predominantly to the scalp. And that is the androgenetic alopecia that I was talking about, where it's a very common experience for both, particularly males, because it's more easy for them to see the hair loss. Because when you start losing your hairline or the crown starts opening up, it's quite hard for a male to hide those aspects of the hair loss. But with females, we also get genetic and uh, age-related hair loss problems. 
And what we often start noticing is a thinning, particularly within the central part of the scalp. And then as time goes by, the hairline in females can also start receding back. So those are the androgenetic alopecia causes or the genetic and hormonal causes of hair loss. But when we're dealing with global hair loss throughout the body, that often means that there's something more sinister going on in the body. I see, I see. Thank you for that. So looking at this androgenetic alopecia, I hope I've pronounced it correctly, and you said it has to do with genetics and hormones. So is it a matter of fixing um, your hormones? And, I mean, genetics you can't really, right? I mean, what, what can you do about that? So besides having a hair transplant, if we're looking at the androgenetic alopecia, what options are there? So that's a brilliant question. The nice thing is when one does identify themselves as having a hormonal and genetic hair loss pattern like androgenetic alopecia, what we often encourage is for patients to seek out care as early as they possibly can. And the reason for this is because that process of androgenetic alopecia wants to get rid of the hair on your scalp. So it wants to make you bald. That is how the body is primed. And you are very correct in saying we cannot change our genetics because that's exactly how we were made. We also cannot change the fact that we have certain male and female hormones within the body which are combining with those genetics to actually give rise to the hair loss. So we cannot really change your hormonal profile. We cannot change your genetics. But what we can do is we can use a whole bunch of preventative care measures to start working against this natural hair loss process so that we can start reversing the effects of the genetics and the hormones on your hair follicles. When someone still has quite a decent amount of hair, even though it may be thin, we often would recommend medical therapy such as minoxidil use, finasteride, as well as our Armani PRP, which is a treatment that we do in the clinic. And PRP, just to quickly give your listeners a a small uh, example of what that is, we call it platelet-rich plasma. And that's basically where we take one's blood, separate out all the different components, We then inject the platelets or we concentrate the platelets and inject those platelets directly back into the scalp. And those platelets function for two main reasons. They can heal and they can regenerate tissue. But when you place them directly at the roots of the hair follicles, that healing and regenerative process is focused purely on your follicles. So we can reverse some of the thinning that's been done by the androgenetic alopecia process. That is one area that we work very commonly in the practice. But the second big area is where someone has officially balded away. And I use the word official because when you've lost a hair follicle or when an area of balding arises on the scalp, nothing can bring back that hair follicle. There's no lotion, potion, magical abracadabra stunt that we can do to actually bring back a dead follicle. And this is particularly where hair transplantation comes in. So a hair transplant is primarily there to give back people hair that they've lost. And on the preventative care side of things, we ensure that that hair loss process doesn't continue further. I see. Wow, you explained it so well. Thank you. So I'm I'm thinking when it comes to Cancer patients who are going for chemotherapy, and again, please do correct me, that we're looking at, um, it's not the ball that the hair doesn't come back, although I'm sure each case is different. You're looking at the hair growing back because usually what happens is after the chemotherapy, um, the hair grows back. So let's, let's move in that direction, doctor. Let's start to look at treatments and why it is that people lose their hair. And, and is it just, um, from chemotherapy in terms of cancer treatments or are there other treatments as well that could, um, bring about hair loss? 
Well, fantastic, Nikki. That's an excellent question. And what I must say is, particularly in our practice here in Johannesburg, over the last 12 to 18 months, we've seen a tremendous increase in the number of post-chemotherapy and post-cancer patients that are actually coming through to now start reclaiming the hair back. In the past, unfortunately, and when I say past, I'm talking 5, 10 years ago, when a patient underwent chemotherapy and they complained to their doctor that, you know, they're going to lose their hair, it was almost taken as something that they shouldn't even be worried about. They would often tell the patient, listen here, you've got a cancer, we need to treat your cancer, no one cares about your hair. And that would be very emotionally challenging for a patient because you're going through this very traumatic exercise of undergoing a treatment for sometimes a deadly uh, disease. But at the same time, it's changing how you look, it's changing how you feel, your self-esteem, your self-confidence, your self-motivation decreases. And now that we've got proper techniques to actually help these patients get their hair back, we've seen a tremendous improvement and a tremendous increase in these patients coming to our practice. Now, with chemotherapy in particular, chemotherapy works because it affects rapidly dividing cells. Now, a cancer is a rapidly dividing organism. So when you use chemotherapy, you are targeting those cancer cells and you start killing them off. The unfortunate part of chemotherapy, however, is that it's not very specific to the cancer alone. So any rapidly dividing cells in the body, particularly your hair follicles, will also get affected by this process. And it's not only the hair on our scalps that that cancer patients lose. You can lose hair globally. So this is one of the conditions that can get rid of hair on your eyelashes, your eyebrows. In males, they can lose their beard. In, in females, they can lose the hair on their scalp as well as any body hair that they may have. And what we often definitely must make sure patients understand is that the hair loss from chemotherapy is temporary. It is not a permanent balding process like androgenetic alopecia would need to. And what patients need to understand is that during the process of their treatment, let the process unfold. We need the process to get rid of your hair. We need to treat your cancer. And thereafter, once the cancer treatment has stopped or once you are now in remission, that's when we can start looking at ways of getting your hair back. Okay, thank you. We're going to take a break and we're going to return. Such a fascinating topic. Thank you, doctor. Please stay with us. Hi, FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the show, the DL Link Show on 101.9 High FM. I have Dr. Kashmal Kalan. He's a medical director at LV Armani South Africa. We're looking, we're talking about hair loss. Um, and just before the break, um, Dr. Kalan, you were mentioning what happens, um, these fast dividing cells, um, which are the cancer cells and from chemotherapy, you know, chemotherapy doesn't discern and they destroy the cells being the, the hair follicles, the cells in the hair follicles as well, which is why we have this hair loss. But what I found interesting was that you said that your suggestion to people who are going for the chemotherapy is to let the chemotherapy, the treatment run. And only once you're finished, so you would lose your hair, you would go through the treatment. Only once the treatment is finished, you would look at treating your scalp or treating, you know, the area so that you could look at getting your great head of hair back. Um, that's quite different to the... To, to the androgenetic alopecia, am I correct, um, that's, Dr. Kalang, where you said, yeah, where you said, you know, catch it early and we start treating it early. 
Yes, that's that's absolutely correct. So with androgenetic alopecia, because it's more of a natural process that you cannot literally do anything about, the minute you start noticing your hair thinning, that should be a trigger zone. And especially if you have others in the family that are going through the same problem, that should trigger you to know that you need to start actioning some sort of treatment plan so that you can prevent that thinning hair from actually developing into full-blown balding. With chemotherapy, on the other hand, we know for sure that a patient undergoing chemotherapy, and there's multiple different types of chemotherapy, etc., which I don't think is pertinent for this conversation, but yeah. chemotherapy in general will most certainly affect your hair follicles. And in majority of cancer patients, they are put on quite a protocol, so they might have multiple chemotherapy sessions over stretching over a few weeks to even a few months. And the important thing here is to let the chemotherapy do what the chemotherapy needs to do. And that is obviously to treat and get rid of the cancer. Because if we're going to not use the chemotherapy to actually get rid of your cancer, that patient might not even survive to have a full head of hair. So we always encourage patients to make sure that they fulfill their treatment protocol fully. Yes, the hair will get lost. Yes, it is a known process. And as soon as they are done with the chemotherapy protocol and they are now in a remission, they can then come through and that's when we can start actioning a whole bunch of treatments to start reclaiming those hairs that would have naturally gotten lost with the chemotherapy process. This doesn't happen overnight and we often encourage patients to take a much more long-term view when it comes to regaining the hair back. Once chemotherapy has ended or the protocol is over, we often wait at least six to eight weeks to start noticing what the hair follicles are doing. And often within a two to three month period, patients will start noticing the hairs coming through. Now, we have multiple ways of speeding up that hair process where we can utilize a treatment like minoxidil, which is a topical medical spray. And that spray basically exerts a positive growth effect on hair follicles. So to use a silly example, it's like fertilizer or manure that we would use on our grass to help it grow stronger <laughs> and thicker. This is the exact same protocol, but we use it on our scalp, scalp <laughs> to help with our hair follicles to grow stronger. And then the very important part of the protocol that we have for our cancer patients is PRP therapy. I've mentioned it earlier as well, but by bringing those growth factors from your platelets and allowing them to heal and regenerate the hair follicles, we often find ourselves reclaiming the majority of the hairs that patients would have lost during the chemotherapy sessions. So this PRP, the, the, the plated rich plasma, um, it's very natural. I mean, you're using your, the blood and yes. you're doing whatever you're doing. The, the spray where you said it's like putting manure fertilizer on the scalp. I'm just thinking, you know, when you've gone through this kind of treatment and you've had all of this stuff and you feel quite toxic with what's been happening in your body, anything that you're putting on your hair, is it toxic at all? So the nice thing with minoxidil, especially when used in a topical format, is that it doesn't really affect you systemically. So it only tends to get absorbed down at the level of the hair roots, but it doesn't often enter the bloodstream, so you will not have any systemic side effects from the minoxidil itself. That is the one beauty about using it topically, because if you had to use it orally, then most certainly you would have a bit of toxicity on the scalp. The other thing that we most certainly will advise patients to do, and this is during the chemotherapy process as well as after the chemotherapy process, is to ensure that you are using the right shampoos and conditioners. What we tend to forget is that shampoos can be quite toxic and chemically induced itself. So when you've got hair follicles that have undergone a chemotherapy process and are already taking a back seat because they are being bombarded by chemicals, Using the wrong shampoos could aggravate that process and can 
almost stool the hair growth process. So we would often recommend using anything natural, organic, sulfate-free, most certainly paraben and perfume-free. And within Alvear Money, we've got our own brand called Originaire. These are formulated purely by our doctors in our Los Angeles branch in the USA. And these products are organic, natural, sulfate, paraben, and chemical-free. So those are good products to use on the scalp to, again, enhance the growth phase of those hair follicles. Mm. Dr. Kalana, just have one more question to ask you. Um, I've heard from people who have lost their hair from chemotherapy and their hair grows back that their hair is quite different in terms of texture. Um, what, what would be the reason for that? That's that's a very common experience. And again, we would encourage patients that start noticing their hair. They often would say that it's curlier or coarser, and they may often find that their hair, if they had Darker hair often grows back lighter or paler. This, again, is very temporary because, and I want us to think of this process in in this fashion. We basically were born as a baby. Your hair follicles are very weak when you're in your youth phase. That's why babies have very thin, fragile, and often coarser hair. And as you get older and older, those roots of the follicles get stronger and stronger to eventually produce strong, thick hair that we now notice as a teen and adult going on into our older years. When we do chemotherapy, we are almost starting that process again. So you're killing all those hair follicles. And once they start coming back, they don't automatically return to the glory phase they were before the chemotherapy. They often start out in that baby phase again. So the initial hairs that we see sprouting through on the surface of the scalp often have the texture of baby's hair. It's thin, it's light, it's coarse, it's curly. It doesn't really have the strength that the the patient would have had before the chemotherapy process. However, with time, and therefore patience is key, with the use of the right shampoos and conditioners, with PRP and minoxidil, you start re-basically getting those follicles or the growth phase of the follicles to get back into its stronger areas so that those hairs can start getting back to that thicker, stronger strand that you used to. Hmm. Fascinating. Dr. Kalan, before I say goodbye, is there anything that I perhaps haven't covered that you feel our audience should know about? I think, Nikki, we had a wonderful conversation and we've covered most of the topics, but I think the important thing to understand to all your listeners is that we actually now have real-world medical surgical solutions for our hair loss processes. I think up until this point, or not say, but in the last few years, it was never known that medical and surgical therapies could actually help for hair loss. I mean, there was always a shampoo, a conditioner, an oil that you'd buy at the pharmacy that would seem to have helped your hair, but it often doesn't. So now what we say or we tell patients is anyone that's experiencing a hair loss issue, regardless of the cause of the hair loss issue, go to a reputable clinic, go to doctors that know what they're talking about when it comes to hair loss. And that is often when you would find proper solutions to get your hair back. Mm. Dr. Kashmar, thank you so much for coming on to the show, explaining so well, medical director at LV Armani South Africa. So if people want to, they can contact LV Armani South Africa directly. Thank you so much, Nikki. It has been a pleasure to be on your show today. Take care. Thank you. Dr. Kashmal Kalan here on the DL Link Show. Really, really interesting. I learned so much and I hope you did too.